0: Welcome to another episode of the Hourglass Investing Podcast, a series deep diving into businesses and investment opportunities. I'm your host, Jared Leary, and today's episode will be a first look diving into Jamieson Wellness, a small cap Canadian company with a range of vitamin and nutrient products and a plan for international expansion. Hello, hello. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Stoked to be coming back to you today with a look at Jamieson Wellness. So actually, a listener reached out and requested that I take a look at this company. And it's one I've been meaning to take a deeper dive into for a while. So shout out to Pierre for passing that along. Appreciate that. Quick reminder that if you have any questions on upcoming episodes, or if you want a specific company covered as well, I'd love to hear from you. You can hit me up on Twitter or through my email. I'll throw those both in the show notes on the episode, so check those out. But now let's get into Jamieson Wellness. I'll just give you a very brief overview of where this company sits, and then I'll get into the business model, growth potential of the business, any moat, the industry, and then I'll cap it off with a dive into the balance sheet and whether I'm more or less interested in the business. So just for a bit of context before we get into all of that... Jameson celebrated its 100th birthday as a company in 2022, but only super recently IPO'd in 2017. They've done, you know, fairly solid, returned a decent 9.3% CAGR to investors since then, with dividends included. The company is still pretty small, even after that growth, at a market cap of about $1.1 billion. And then taking the cash out of that and factoring in the debt on the balance sheet, they've got an enterprise value closer to $1.6 billion. Oh, and keep in mind that this is a Canadian company, so all of these dollar figures are in Canadian currency. I think that enterprise value would be roughly 1.1 billion in US dollars, but either way, definitely a small cap story. Now, looking at the trailing 12 month figures, the company's raking in around 650 million off growth figures of 34% on revenues, so that puts Jamieson's enterprise value at about 2.2 times sales, which honestly seems pretty reasonable for a company putting in strong double-digit growth, and then on the earnings front, they're sitting at 25 times net income over that same trailing 12-month period. They do also pay a dividend, which, if you've been listening to me for a while, you know I'm always a little hesitant, I guess you could say, about dividends, but the yield is sitting just above a nice 2.8% yield figure with a payout ratio of 16-ish percent, so... At least it seems like a pretty sustainable dividend at a surface glance, and that yield figure could be a pretty attractive one for dividend investors. Now, digging deeper into that payout ratio a bit, it is quite variable and 16% does seem to be well below the historical average. Seems to hover closer around the 50% range, which, again, still very sustainable, but it did climb up to about 100% of the company's net income in Q1 and Q2 of this year, I definitely do not love to see that, so that's one thing I would really keep an eye on with this business. You know, dividends can be great, but they can't come at the expense of a strong balance sheet or continued investment into growth, especially for a company like Jameson, which still has lots of growth opportunities ahead. But now let's get into what they actually do, and then I think that will help shed a bit more light on what those growth opportunities actually are. So manufacturing and selling vitamin and nutrient products is really the name of the game with Jamieson. They have several in-house brands that they've got through acquisition, each one with different products, but mostly all oriented towards these wellness offerings. So these brands are U Theory, Progressive, and Smart Solutions, as well as the Jamieson branded products. And these are all vitamins and supplements, you know, anything from vitamin D to Iron and even to hormone balancing capsules, stuff like that. Then they also have Iron Vegan, which is a brand offering plant based protein bars and powders. And then their last brand is Precision, and this one offers products for the gym bros and the fitness fanatics alike uh, with protein, fat loss, and testosterone powders that can get mixed into smoothies and such. So, all very adjacent products, but offering just slightly different things so that they can serve a wider variety of people. And on that same idea of serving a lot of people, Jamieson is pretty diversified internationally. They're domiciled in Canada and definitely get the majority of their revenues from there at almost exactly half of their total revs. But they also have a decent presence in the US at about 22% of total revs, and then China at another 8%, and then another 5% that the company just lumps into an international segment with those revenues coming from Mexico, the Middle East, Southeast Asia, Europe, roughly 50 different countries that Jamieson is selling in, in total. Now, the U.S. and China are definitely the growthier parts of this business. You know, the Jamieson brand is pretty well saturated in Canada at this point, and seems to average you know, low single-digit growth in this geography, but still growing a bit. Theory though, is the U.S. brand, and they're growing a little more than 88% year-over-year year from new product launches, more focus on e-commerce. And then there's China, which, granted, that's a more recent expansion and, honestly, not one of my favorite international markets for a company to be targeting, just given some of the risks with investing in China. But it's still providing some nice growth at, you know, 52.5% growth year-over-year, year, so not too shabby at all. And then finally, the more vague international segment grew at almost 12% year over year as of Jamieson's most recent quarter. Now the total product sales by geography adds up to roughly 85% of total revenues. And then that last 15% comes from what Jamieson calls their strategic partnership segment. And they recognize revenues in this segment from offering their manufacturing facilities on a contract basis to other consumer health companies and retailers to produce those brands' products. This is a pretty small and variable part of the business overall. You know, changes a lot due to, you know, if slash when orders are needed by these other brands, but that is the last segment to pretty much cover everything that Jamieson does. You know, in summary, they manufacture their own products. They acquire brands with adjacent wellness products to the Jamieson branded vitamins. And then they manufacture those as well. So super simple, super easy to understand. I always like that about a company. Now I just want to super quickly brush up on the industry and then I'll dive into the growth opportunities for Jameson and any moat that they have because at first glance, that is one of my potential concerns about this company. So I do really like the industry that Jameson is in. This wellness and supplement space is pretty big actually and definitely still has some macro tailwinds behind it. And where they are growing specifically, those are also really attractive markets. You know, just between the U.S. and China, there's more than a $70 billion total addressable market for vitamins and supplements. So those are the two largest markets in the world that Jamieson has moved into and is expanding super quickly in. So that's awesome to see. And then also awesome to see is the global industry as a whole is expected to do honestly fantastic through to 2030 with a 9% compound annual growth rate to reach $300 billion by 2030. And that's mostly on the tailwinds of consumers becoming a little more health conscious, especially when it comes to those micronutrients and the role that they play in just, you know, making our body work. Uh, There's a lot of government campaigns towards this, and I always do like a bonus of the government really supporting a business's products. It just sort of makes life easier for a brand. Now I'll go a little anecdotal here for a second because I've actually personally seen this shift towards vitamins and micronutrients play out over my lifetime. So I remember when I was a child and parents would give out, you know, a few vitamins around flu season, but that was about the extent of it. Now everyone and their mother, it seems like, has a tiny little box of vitamins that they're taking every day for just a huge assortment of stuff. Like there's just way more awareness towards these products now. And I actually have a very good friend who's the perfect example of this. (laughs) I won't call him out for his shameful diet on the internet, but he does have an absolutely just terrible, terrible eating habit. McDonald's twice a day kind of guy. And even he still has one of these little boxes of, you know, it's just full of vitamins. He's slamming his iron, calcium, vitamin D, you know, whatever, omega-378 every single day. And like I said, that's anecdotal, so take it with a grain of salt, but I think it does just speak to how much more aware people are of these sort of products and the benefits that they can have, not just with health nuts, but basically with everyone. Also, if you're listening to this and you don't have your little box of vitamins in the house, throw Jamieson a bone, do yourself a favor, and hop on those supplements, baby. They honestly, they're great. I know about a quarter of the people listening to this podcast live in Canada, So if nothing else, grab those vitamin D tablets. These winters up here, they're long, they're miserable. And I'd say most Canadians, if they're not taking these, are already short on vitamin D. Anyways, I'll stop prescribing treatments. I'm really not a doctor. Finance is all I know. So let's get back into that with some of Jamieson's growth opportunities and their defensive characteristics. Quick break from the episode to shamelessly self plug the other parts of Hourglass investing. If you're enjoying the episodes and want to get in on some more of the action, I've got good news for you. On top of these Tuesday podcast episodes, I also do weekly newsletters that have recommended reads, weekly watch list stocks, investing tidbits, and highlight other investor articles and writers. Every two weeks, I also do company specific research articles that get into a company's history, business model, balance sheet, industry, and the potential investment opportunity. So if that all sounds good to you, head on over to my substack at Hourglass Investing, or check out my website for the full archive at hourglassnetwork.ca. All right, let's get back into it. So I'll start with defense, which is just Jamieson's ability to protect its current market position, and this mostly comes down to distribution network and brand recognition. Now, The distribution network part is fairly simple. They're an established player in the space. They have facilities and distribution partners across the world. And that allows Jamison to benefit from economies of scale that allow them to offer competitive pricing, maybe even the most affordable solution, while still maintaining margins. And this can help to slowly eke out smaller competitors that just can't sustainably compete with Jamieson's pricing while maintaining their own margins. As to brand, in Canada at least, those Jamieson bottles are damn near iconic. (laughs) I doubt there's a Canadian resident that wouldn't recognize a Jamieson-branded vitamin bottle on site. They've ranked top in this category for a number of years in Canada, and I just don't see this changing, and they're still recognizing growth in this geography which I think just demonstrates that they're solidifying that top spot position and growing the brand as the go-to market solution in Canada. If they're able to extend this into other markets, geographies, or even to any of their other in-house brands like Utheory, that awareness would be a pretty solid form of defense. I will say though that even if awareness of Jameson branded products or their other in-house brands grows tremendously, and that distribution network can continue to grow, I'm still somewhat concerned about Jamieson's ability to differentiate in this space. I mean, there's about a million offerings out there for vitamins, and if you need proof of that, just go to your local pharmacy and, I don't know, get completely overwhelmed by the sheer amount of options that are available. And maybe a really established brand will win out with some customers, but I imagine most of them are just going to go with the cheapest option. So I'd say the distribution network, you know, that's, that's the more solid form of defense, but I'm just worried about this company's ability to really stand out when there's not much of a difference between products. Now, as for growth, I mean, again, like the business itself, the growth levers here are super easy to understand. So, Jamieson's going to continue to make accretive acquisitions of brands with similar missions and products to grow internationally. They're going to leverage scale to drive operational efficiency as the business continues to grow. And then they're going to just ride out the huge tailwinds in the industry. You know, the awareness towards the products is already growing, especially with, you know, different governments basically running marketing for vitamin and supplement products already. That just makes Jamieson's job a lot easier in that all they really have to do is market their own brand. You know, they don't have to market why vitamins and supplements are good in the first place. And the brand, like I said, is already quite established. They've got that 100-year corporate history. But again, with all the competition in the space, I wouldn't be surprised to see marketing expenses as a percentage of net revenues climb as they continue to try and differentiate themselves. Now lastly, on the growth front is the e-commerce platform. And this is one I would like to see Jamieson focus on quite a bit more. So their US brand, Theory, does have an e-commerce platform and according to the 10K, so does China. But logging onto the Jamieson website itself, I wasn't just able to buy or order products to my house. Now, it's a really well-distributed product, so maybe by itself that would not be a huge concern, but I would actually love to see, you know, from from a consumer standpoint, as someone who takes vitamins, a subscription service for Jamieson's products, and a good e-commerce platform would be huge for that. So I think, you know, if you were able to log onto the website, Bundle the specific vitamins and supplements that you want into regular deliveries. That could be a nice little growth strategy for this company. And you know, may also help them to stand out in the space, differentiate their product just a little bit. So yeah, both the e-commerce and subscription services, those are areas I'd love to see this company expand into. I think those would be awesome growth levers to pull. Now let's cap things off with a peek at the balance sheet. I've gone on a bit long already, so I'll keep this super brief. Jamieson got approval to buy back 10% of the total outstanding shares in the last quarter. So right off the bat, a good start. Capital efficiency metrics are all decent. You know, nothing to write home about. Return on total capital sits at 7.2%. But it has actually declined very slightly from a 7.5% figure in 2018. Now, this is my favorite capital efficiency metric. So not awesome to see a bit of a drop there. But It hasn't really been a long-term trend of decline. It was actually growing pretty steadily until 2022, and it's dropped back off a bit since then. So I don't see this as a blaring red flag or anything, just a figure to keep an eye on. I'd love to see that start that upward trend again. Hopefully this is just a short-term dip. Free cash flow, EBITDA, and operating margins have all ticked up at super decent clips over the last five years, Uh, though net and gross margins have dropped off a bit. Now, management did mention this in their most recent quarter. They said this was mostly due to the acquisition of Theory, that US brand, uh, which introduced a wider mix of products, including some lower margin ones. So again, not really a red flag here, kind of just the cost of growing in this industry and serving a wider array of customers. And the drop in gross margins, by the way, is only like 30 basis points from 36.1% to 358 So Really not anything I'm super concerned about there, and still a pretty strong margin profile overall, especially for a manufacturer. Total shares outstanding have been increasing from stock-based compensation, but at a very tiny little 2% CAGR, so I don't really think that dilution is anything to be worried about here. What else we got? Uh, Free cash flows, growing pretty steadily as well. Nice little 18% CAGR over the last 5 years. I uh, love to see those cash flows growing, especially alongside the earnings per share, which is a nice little 10% CAGR. Overall, I'd say things are looking pretty good on the balance sheet. Definitely no blaring red flags, but my one concern that I will mention here is just the debt levels. They're not insane, just in and of themselves, but Jamieson does have a heightened 3.1 times net debt to EBITDA ratio, and the cash flow to debt ratio is pretty much bottom of the barrel, which just means that. You know, the cash flows don't really cover the total debt on the balance sheet very well. If this company were to run into some tough times, that debt could get defaulted on. That wouldn't be awesome to see. Obviously, it would be really bad for investors. I'm all for funding growth through debt, but I'd say it has to be done within reason. And this is my one major question mark on the balance sheet is just their ability to cover those debts and keep that manageable. Okay, I've droned on for forever here. So... I'll call it now. Uh, I think that was a fairly decent rundown on Jamieson anyways, at least for a first look into the business without too deep of a dive. We got into the business model, the geographies they serve, the industry that Jamieson's operating in, plus their growth and defense levers, and then the balance sheet. Final verdict on the business for me is probably less interested. I like the company, I like the industry, and I think this could be a really solid small cap opportunity to invest in. But for myself, I didn't really find enough in the competitive advantages or the defensive characteristics with this name to really spark my interest. And the kind of variable and potentially high payout ratio on the dividend, it's a bit questionable to me, especially when there's such an established growth opportunity still ahead. So yeah, I'd rather see that capital flowing towards, you know, paying off the debts, deleveraging the balance sheet a little bit, and furthering those growth opportunities. So summary, interesting name, but not one that I'm going to look into any further for myself. Again, thanks Pierre so much for sending this request in for Jamieson. I hope you and everyone else got something out of the episode. And with that, I will see you back here next week for another episode. This time I'll be diving into one of my very highest conviction positions and favorite companies of all time. So stay tuned on that one. Until then, happy investing folks. All right, that's all for this episode of the Hourglass Investing Podcast. Drop a comment on the episode on what you think about Jamieson Wellness. And if you're enjoying this show, I would super appreciate a quick review. Takes about 30 seconds and it does a lot to help me out. As always, if you want in on some more Hourglass action, head to my Substack at Hourglass Investing, my website, hourglassnetwork.ca, or reach out to me on Twitter at Hourglass Network. Quick disclaimer here, folks. I'm not a financial advisor, analyst, planner, or anything else to do with finance except a nerd. Please don't take anything you hear as investment advice. Please do your own research before making your own investment decisions. This show is just meant for entertainment and education. Bye-bye.